Um, if you're new to the Bible and or new to uh, being here, this is the Bible, it's one book, but it's made up of lots of little books, and we have been going through a not-so-little book of the book of Acts. We've been doing that since the beginning of the year. So all of 2018, we've been going through the book of Acts. We've made our way into chapter 5, and we're going to continue going through the book of Acts until we get to about summer. We're going to do what most um, people who kind of plan services do, and they just steal ideas from other churches. And there's a church that I know of that they took a break last summer and they did what they called summer school. And so during the summer, they had different teachers, they had different topics that they taught through, and we're going to do that same thing this summer. But until we get to summer, we're going to be going through the book of Acts, but that's a little bit of what's to come this um, summer. So if you don't know much about the, the Bible, you haven't been with us, we, we've talked through the book of Acts, like I said, chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, and part of chapter 5. We said that Luke is part 1, Acts is part 2. It's kind of like a sequel book, right? And so we talked about that. And as we've been going through the book of Acts, I think chapters 1 through 5 so far, we've seen four common themes that seem to come up almost every single week. And so I want to talk about what those are real quick. The first one is Throughout this book of Acts, Jesus has died, he has risen again, he's told his disciples, you'll receive power, you guys will be my witnesses, and then he ascends into heaven and he gives the Holy Spirit, he gives the Holy Ghost, as some people will call him. He'll give the Holy Spirit to his people, and then what happens, the first thing that we see common theme throughout the book of Acts is there are signs and wonders. There's amazing, miraculous things that happen. The first one is there's the sound of a rushing wind. The Holy Spirit comes down. People see tongues of fire floating in the sky. If that's not a little bit wacky, then I don't know what is. But it rests on people, and then the people speak in a language that the people see in the room that don't speak, and they speak in, in, the, in the language, and they hear in their native tongue. It's this amazing, miraculous thing that begins to happen. Other things that happen are, <clears throat> it says that there's many signs and wonders done at the hands of the apostles Um, A guy by the name of Peter, who's a follower of Christ, he comes in and he says to a guy who's been lame from birth, who's over 40 years old, he says, um, get up and walk in the name of Jesus. And the guy gets up. Like, that's a sign. That's a wonder. It's amazing. Um, At one point, they come back and they're praying that God would continue to allow them to be bold, and there's an earthquake when they pray. Not too too long later, they're giving this powerful testimony. These people who were kind of chicken before are now giving powerful testimony before people it's a sign, it's a wonder. Then we meet Ananias and Sapphira who, who lie to God and boom, they drop down dead. There's crazy signs and wonders going throughout the book of Acts at the hands of the apostles. Another thing that you see is that they're all together. These people really care deeply about each other. They're devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, the breaking of the bread, to prayer. They are um, sharing their possessions. They're selling their possessions, giving to each other. It's this amazing togetherness that you see. At one point, Peter and John get thrown into prison. The second they get out of prison, they go to be with their family, their family of brothers and sisters. They were together. You see that it's described that they were of one heart. They were of one soul. They were selling their possessions, even in chapter 4, all the way to the point of selling their land and their homes to give to each other. You see signs and wonders. You see togetherness. You see the people are amazed. In chapter 2, the people who are around watching say, "Uh, those people are drunk. Those people who, who love Jesus and who proclaim the name of Jesus, I think they're drunk. And they're like, no, it's, they're not drunk. It's early in the morning. But what you're seeing is something different. What you're seeing is that they're filled with the Spirit. Um, but the people around were amazed. It says in chapter 3 that they were filled with wonder and amazement. It says in chapter 4 that they um, had nothing to say in opposition. Excuse me. 
they had nothing to say in opposition. Like these people, these followers of Christ are doing these miraculous things, signs and wonders. They're, they're this togetherness, and the people around are just filled with amazement as to what's going on. But there's a fourth thing that's going on, and you see that the numbers of people who are following Jesus are rapidly growing. It starts in chapter 1 with 120 believers. By chapter 2, there's 3,000 believers. A um, little bit later in chapter 2, it says that the Lord added to the number daily those who were being saved. And then in chapter 4, it says that the number of men that were following Jesus came to be 5,000. That doesn't include women and children. So what we see is they've gone from 120 followers to probably near 10,000 in just a couple of chapters. But all throughout that, we see four things. We see signs and wonders. We see the togetherness. We see the people around, the non-believers. They're amazed at what's going on. And the Lord is adding to the number daily of those who are being saved. That is what has happened, chapter 1 through halfway into 5. And to be honest with you, our text for today, it's more of the same. If you have a Bible, you can flip open to Acts chapter 5, verse 12 through 16 is what we'll read. I've been um, dying with allergies this year, and so pardon the uh, clearing of throat or coughs halfway through wording, um, but I'm sure I'm not the only one who's ready to be into summer and away from spring and allergies, um, and enough time for them to affect my wife, who gets it a little bit later than I do. But Acts chapter 5, verse 12 through 16, this is what the Bible says. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico, and none of the rest dared to join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord multitudes of both men and women, so that even so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. People also gathered from towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. It's this crazy thing that's going on. There's these signs and wonders. It even says in our text for today that there were signs and wonders regularly being done. There's a sign and a wonder that a guy is walking by, a follower of Christ is walking by, and his shadow is healing people. There's crazy signs and wonders, even in our text for today. The people are all together. They're going to Solomon's portico, which is a spot inside the temple, to be together. It's just like what has been going on so far. You see that, um, that the people around are amazed. The people don't know what to do, but they're held in high esteem. They, they believe that even a shadow of a man could heal somebody because Christ in them is so powerful. And it says that more than ever, multitudes of people are coming to know the Lord. Our, what, what we've been seeing through the book of Acts is continued in this. And then, then if we were to continue on and we talked through what happens in, in verse 17 all the way through 42, let me tell you kind of what happens. We'll kind of put it in story form. So all this is going down. The Jewish people of the day, the religious leaders, they don't like what's happening. There's a lot of people who are no longer really believing um, in what they're doing. And there's the, all these people who are kind of, in a way, scattering and believing what they think is false teaching. So they get super jealous, and they decide, you know what? We've thrown these people in prison. We've told them to stop doing, talk, talking about Jesus. They're not doing it. We didn't like what Jesus had to say. We killed him, and he came back to life. So they're really, at this point, desperate. So they take the disciples, they take the apostles here, and they throw them in jail. So again, you're thrown in jail for preaching the name of Jesus. They're thrown in jail, 
And, but what is crazy, there's signs and wonders even in this. And what happens is an angel of the Lord shows up and breaks them out of jail. And the angel of the Lord breaks them out of jail. The doors are still securely locked and there's guards outside of the doors. And the, the apostles are broken out of jail. And the angel of the Lord says, go back to the temple and keep teaching. So this goes, breaks all common sense. Like if you get arrested for a crime here, you get sent to jail, an angel of the Lord breaks you out, you go back to where you just were, where you got arrested. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. But that's what they do. They go right back to where they were, where they got in trouble, and they were together. All of them were together. And the people around are greatly perplexed. Like the, the Jewish leaders are like, wait, the cell is empty. Where, where'd they go? And then someone's like, uh... They're in the temple continuing to teach what we told them not to teach. You see signs and wonders. You see the apostles together, and you see the people perplexed. <clears throat> then the guy by the name of Gamil stands up as, as the, the, the apostles are being questioned, and this guy by the name of Gamil says, hey, listen, be careful with what you do to these people because if this is of man, it will, just, it will fail. But if this is of God, and we go against it, we could find ourselves being opposed to God. And you know what happens? People tell people who tell people who tell people about this Jesus, and guess what? You and I are here today because the Lord added to the number daily of those who are being saved. What we have seen through the book of Acts all the way now through the chapter 5 is four things. There's signs and wonders. The apostles are together. The people are amazed. And the Lord adds to the number daily of those who are being saved. That's what we see in our text for today. Let's pray. <clears throat> God, I, um, I pray that as we now have talked through what this text looks a little bit like, that you will prepare our hearts to hear what I think that you would say to us as individuals, to us as a church. God, when I think of even in the book of Revelation, as you're speaking to the churches, you say, um, how do you say it, God? You say that, um, that you have a message for those churches, and I think that you have a message for us as a church, for us as individuals. I pray that we would hear it. You'd open our hearts to hear it. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So normally, a lot of times what we do when we're, when we're preaching, when we're trying to teach what it says in the Bible, what we do is we will we'll we'll take a text, we'll, we'll read it, and then we'll try to expand on and, and dive into the trenches of what does that text say. I'm not doing that at all today. Um, I am going to stay kind of in a way up above that text to, to, to explain what I think that God has for me, I know, and for us, I believe. And it's this, if you, if you put all of that, those four things that are happening into one cohesive thought, what I think it is, is the people saw a powerful God through the faith of God's people. I'll say it again. I think that the people saw a powerful God through the faith of God's people. I think that the non-Christians saw a powerful God in the life of the Christians. And as I, I became more and more convinced that's really what I'm seeing as the heart of this text. And it, throughout the week, I feel like there became an elephant in the room. 
as I was sitting before the Lord, as I try to get up every morning and spend time in the Word, and I get a cup of coffee, and I open up the Bible, and I try to listen to what God is saying to me and what He would say to us as a church. As I, as I do that, through the course of this week, there became an elephant in the room that got bigger and bigger and bigger. And the question that I kept hearing is, do people see a powerful God in your life, Brian? Do people see a powerful God because of the faith that you have in me? And so I ask the question that I feel like the Lord has kicked me with this whole week. I ask you that same question. Do people look into your life and see a powerful God? Do people look into your life and see because the faith that you have in our God, they see God to be a powerful God? That has been what I have been, in all honesty, wrestling with God this whole week about. Do people look at my life and see a powerful God? And I, I, it was a humbling realization that I don't think the answer is yes. But then I started thinking about this a little bit deeper, and I started thinking, you know, I think that I have a strong faith in God's power in the past. You know, like, I, I, I really love the word. I am so thankful that God has given us the Bible, and, and I really believe that I have a deep faith that God created everything in six days. He rested on the seventh. I think that, that I have this firm faith that all the way back, remember Abraham and Isaac, and Abraham is about to sacrifice his son, and he looks up and he sees a ram caught in the thorns. Like, I, I, I believe that is true, and I see God as powerful in the past. And God gives Moses, and Moses uses his staff, and they parts the, the Red Sea, and they walk across on dry land, and they're away from slavery. I, I, I really think that I see God as powerful in the past. When I read things about fire coming down from heaven or the lion's den, people who are thrown in the lion's den or people who are thrown in a fiery furnace, I, I believe that God has been powerful in the past. When I think about a virgin birth, that, that a virgin became pregnant with a child that she bore that was Jesus, and Jesus is who the Messiah, he's who this promised king was, and then he comes and he heals people. And he casts out demons and he walks on water. He heals the blind, the lame, the lepers. He calms storms. He raises Lazarus from the dead. And then he dies and he himself rises from the dead. I, I think that I firmly believe that God has been powerful in the past. Jesus ascends into heaven. The Spirit falls on the apostles. We read through this and they, they speak in tongues. Of, and there's known languages that people understand in their native tongue. I believe that God has been powerful in the past. I believe that when, when Peter heals a lame man or when the shadow of Peter heals people, I believe that our God has been powerful in the past. When they are, they are broken out of jail by an angel of the Lord, I believe that it shows that our God has been powerful in the past. And when I was looking into my life, like I said, I do think that, that my life um, maybe even displays that I believe that God has been powerful in the past. And I started thinking about it deeper, and I think that, that in my life hopefully proves and shows that I have a belief that God is not just powerful in the past, but he'll be powerful in the future. The Bible teaches that Jesus has ascended into heaven, and he's at the right hand of God, and one day he's coming back for his people. I believe that. I have faith in that. I trust in that. I believe that he's coming again. I believe that the Bible says that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe that God is powerful in the future. 
I believe that, the, that God is going to make the enemy a footstool for Jesus. I believe that Jesus even now is preparing a place for those of us who are his followers, a place of golden streets, a place where there will be no more sorrow and no more tears, a place that I long for. No more sorrow, no more pain, a place where we will be with him for all of eternity. And it, when I really sat down before the Lord this week, thinking about God displayed his power through the faith of his people. And I thought, you know what? I believe God is powerful in the past. I believe that God will be powerful in the future. But do I firmly believe that God is powerful here now? Do you believe that God is powerful here and now? I don't know if my life displays that I believe that God is powerful here and now. Would Jesus say to me, oh, you of little faith? And, and I think <clears throat> it's great that we, I think all of us, we can display a, a belief in the power of God in the past. We can, be, we can display a belief in the power of God in the future. I think that's a great thing. I mean, even 1 Corinthians 15, 19 says that if we in Christ have hope in this life only, we are the most to be pitied. See, if we think that God is powerful only now, then we are missing so much of the equation that, that we should be pitied. But as I was thinking through this deeply this week, I started thinking, you know what I think that the text doesn't say, but I think that if we are a people who believe that God only had power in the past and only will have power in the future, that we also are to be pitied. I think that when we <clears throat> have this lack of faith of God's power right here and now, we present a caged God. We present a limited God. We present a God whose wings have been clipped, who has been placed in a jail cell that have guards outside of it. I think that we display, I think that we can display, if we're not careful, that we think that bedsheets are more powerful than our God. I can't get out of bed to spend time in the Word. It displays the fact that bedsheets are more powerful than our God. I can display in my life that food is more powerful than God, because you better bet I'm not missing three meals and two snacks every day. But I can miss sitting before a God that created me. I think if we're not careful, we can present that fame is more powerful than God. We can present that fear is more powerful than our God. We can become gripped with fear. Anxiety is more powerful than God. Our comfort is more powerful than our God. Money is more powerful than God. After all, many of us can't stop spending more of it than what we actually have. Many of us get into a position where we find ourselves in debt and it's not something that we're ever able to overcome because we can present it that money is more powerful than our God. Drugs are more powerful than our God. If you look at the crisis of addiction, there is some sort of display that addiction is more powerful than our God. I 
I think it can be displayed in people's lives that sex is more powerful than God. Pornography runs rampant, even in the church. Lust. People desiring to live a pure life and falling into having sex before you're married, and, and it can give this appearance that sex is more powerful than our God. Anger can appear to be more powerful than our God. Hatred can appear to be more powerful than our God. Selfishness is more powerful than our God. When people look into my life, when people look into your life, do they find anything that they can say that is more powerful than their God? If so, I believe that we are presenting God to be a caged God who's held back, who's handcuffed, who's been locked in a prison with guards standing by. But you know what I love? In this text, these apostles are locked up in jail. But an angel of the Lord broke them out. And I firmly believe that our God does not want us to be a people who live in fear of circumstances. He does not want us to be a people that give up so easily, that aren't persistent with telling people this good news of Jesus, that, that we ourselves lock ourselves up with guilt over what we're talking about even today. I think that our God is so powerful that he's going to kick himself out of the jail that we put him in saying that he is not powerful. And he wants to display to you, he wants to display to me that he is powerful. Through our texts, you see that there are thousands of people running to the Lord. They're giving their life to the Lord. And I really asked myself this question, why are we not seeing that now? Why aren't we seeing thousands of people come to know Jesus? And, and the harsh truth that I think that, that, that God laid on my heart this week is people aren't running to Jesus by the thousands because we have showed them that we have a God who lacks power to do anything of wonder or miraculous here and now. But the Bible teaches that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Didn't Jesus say, you who have the Holy Spirit, that you will receive power? Didn't he say that it is better that I go? Didn't he say that I'm going to give you a helper? Didn't he say in John 14, 12, you, followers of Christ, will do even greater things than I? Was it Jesus said that if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can say to a mountain, move and it will move? Did Jesus say what is impossible with men is possible with God? Did he say you will see the glory of God? Did he say that it is my desire that you bear fruit and I will prune you that you will bear more fruit because it is my desire that you would bear much fruit? Jesus is powerful in the past and the future and he is powerful here and now. It is Paul. Paul said, we are more than conquerors for those who are in Christ. It was Paul who said that the righteous shall live by faith it's Paul who said in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, that it is God who gives us victory. John, 
one of the followers of Christ named John. John in 1 John 4, 4 says, He that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. And yet, if we're honest, we can often display a life that is presenting God as locked up, caged, with his wings clipped, stuck in prison. An angel of the Lord broke him out of it. And I believe that God himself wants to kick that wall down and prove himself, show himself to be as powerful as he is. I believe that God is looking for a people who will trust, know, and display that he is powerful in the past, he's powerful in the future, but he is certainly powerful here and now. Do I believe that? Do you believe that? I believe that God is looking for a people who, like Peter, would be willing to get out of the boat and walk with him on the water. I believe that God is looking for a people who aren't so risk-adverse that they have to have a net under the tightrope before they'll walk across it in faith. I believe that God wants to display himself as powerful, and he wants a people who aren't too politically correct, too careful, too tame. I think God is looking for a people who will trust that he is who he said he is and that he can do what he wants to do, when he wants to do it, and how he wants to do it. Do we believe that? I think he's looking for a people who have faith, a people who care nothing about the consequences of what can happen to them in this life. When the apostles were broken out of the jail, the people were amazed, right? If, if I locked someone in jail and I stood outside that cell all night and the next day they weren't in there and they were out preaching, I would be pretty amazed. But when that happened, I think that the people, whether they would have wanted to admit it or not, I think what they would say is that they saw a God who can break the chains. They saw a God who can free people from bondage. They saw a God who sets at liberty those who are oppressed. They saw a God who does not give it a spirit of fear or timidity, but one of power. I believe that they would have said that they saw through the people's lives a God that was more powerful than bedsheets, fame, food, fear, comfort, money, drugs, addiction, sex, anger, hatred, selfishness. A God who is more powerful than the shame and the guilt that we can carry. It was more powerful than the prison walls that held him in. He's powerful enough that he can give peace no matter what the circumstances we're going through in our life. I think that they would have seen a God who helps people say no to sin and overcome the world. They would say that they saw a God who has the power to save marriage. They saw a God who's powerful enough to rescue those who are far off. They would say that they saw a God powerful enough to heal and to save. Do we believe that God was powerful in the past? Do we believe that God will be powerful in the future? Do we believe that God is powerful here and now? Or are we a people who lack faith? <clears throat> Mark 11, 22 through 24 says this, and Jesus answered them, he said, have faith in God. 
Truly I say to you, whoever says to the mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says will come to pass. That's bananas. James, in James chapter 1, verse 6 through 8, says this, But let him who asks in faith without doubting, for no one who doubts, or for the one who doubts is like the wave of a sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded and unstable in all of his ways. Confession. I doubt. I doubt God's power. And I think, I, I think we have two problems in our life. I think the first problem is that we doubt the power of the enemy. I think that we, we forget just how much power he has. I mean, he's the prince of this age. Like, we forget the power of the enemy, but I think that's our problem sometimes. But I think our problem all the times is that we doubt the power of our God. Hebrews chapter 11 talks about faith. It's a chapter all about faith. And in it, it says, <clears throat> Now faith is the assurance of things that are hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. It is the assurance. Faith is different than hope. Like hope, I could see a bridge and be like, I hope that if I walked across it, that bridge would hold me. Faith is... I'm sure that it will enough that I'm going to walk on it. And I think oftentimes, rather than us having faith that God is a powerful God, we have hope that he's a powerful God. But faith and hope are different. This week, God has been challenging me to put my faith, not just in him to give me salvation, but to put my faith in him as being a powerful God today. As you read through the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11, you see that faith is what pleases God. Faith has a reverent fear of God. Faith has action. Faith trusts God at his word. It trusts in his abilities. Faith is the resting in the shadow of the Lord. Faith is a willingness to give up on the fleeting pleasures of sin. Faith oftentimes leaves things behind maybe relationships that are toxic, and maybe patterns of life that are unhealthy, and maybe lies that we have grown so used to. But faith has action. Faith is what gives us strength. Faith is what sustains us in the midst of pain. Faith is what sustains us in the midst of suffering or if persecution really happens in our life. Faith is what gets us through the times when we're hungry or thirsty or when we've been being mocked or if we were imprisoned for knowing and loving and sharing Jesus. Faith gets us through discomfort or having no place to lay our head. I think that God today wants to kick down the walls of the box that we have put him in. I think today God wants to break himself out of the powerless prison that we have locked him in. And he wants to show that he is far more powerful than we think. I think that if we 
begin to get to a point where we trust God is as powerful as he says he is, what I think would happen is we would see thousands of people come to know the Lord. And I will tell you why. Because I think people are longing to know that there is a God that is more powerful than the crap of this world. I think people are longing to know. I think that they're hungry to know. They long to know that God is powerful. I think that people want to know that God is more powerful than, the, than their debt or than the addiction or the shame or the guilt that they feel. God is more powerful than their pride or their unforgiveness or their fear or their anxieties. Have you really talked with people of how anxious they are? I think people are longing to know that God is more powerful than the circumstances. I think that people are longing to know that God is more powerful than the hatred that you often see in this world. I think people are longing to know that who God sets free are free indeed. I have a quote that I came up with and then two verses and then I'm done. I believe that people need to see a powerful God working in and through a people that trust in that powerful God. I believe that people need to see a powerful God at work in and through a people that trust that he is a powerful God. May that be us. Ephesians 3, 20, 21. I would challenge you to write that on a note card, write it on something and put it on the refrigerator this week. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. God is able to take your biggest, grandest dream of how powerful God to display himself, and he can overshoot that by miles. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or imagine, and then according to the power at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. This God wants to display himself as powerful throughout all generations. And the culture, the generation that we are in, they need to see God as powerful. We in this room need to see God as powerful. And in 2 Chronicles 7.14, if my people... For those of us in this room that are followers of Christ, if my people would humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. I believe that God wants to display himself as powerful and he's wanting a group of people who trust in him and who watch what he does. Let's pray. God, I believe, but help my unbelief. God, I, I say that I believe that you are powerful, and yet I know my life often displays that you're not quite powerful enough.
God, I pray for each of us in this room that are, that are your children, that are followers of you. God, that you you would show us just how powerful you are. That you would call us to a deep faith of who you are. And for God, God, I pray for people who are here today who, who have forgotten just how powerful you are. I pray, God, that you would remind them, that you would kick down, you would kick down that wall, that you would break out of the prison that we have often put you in, and you would display yourself to be powerful because you is you. It is you and only you that is powerful to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or imagine. God, I say and my hope is that we say, God, you be God and let us get out of the way. You be God. In Jesus' name.